Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning, and welcome to the Kern County Real Estate Review on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're proud to bring you the most trusted real estate advice and insights with the one and only Lori McCarty. As Kern County's most listened to realtor, Lori McCarty has been successfully selling real estate for over three decades, helping over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. With her vast experience and knowledge, Lori is consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide. But Lori doesn't work alone. She heads up the McCarty Group, a team of dedicated professionals who are well known for their knowledge, professionalism, and unwavering commitment to their clients. Whether you're buying or selling, the McCarty Group is your partner for a smooth and stress-free experience. As one of the most successful real estate teams in Kern County, the McCarty Group has helped countless families achieve their real estate goals. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you can trust the McCarty Group to provide you with expert guidance and personalized attention every step of the way. So if you're thinking of buying or or selling, look no further than the McCarty Group. With their unparalleled knowledge and expertise, they can help you get the most value for your investment. To learn more, visit them online at themccartygroup.com or call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653 to speak with one of their team members today. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great. It's kind of weird. Like, you know, it's been winter. It's been cold. I've been wearing sweaters and jackets. But the sun's poking out now. I know. Kind of like, nice, huh? Yeah, it's kind of nice. So I don't need the jacket or sweater. But then I'm like, oh, my, my gut's kind of poking out now. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> so, is that, right? I'm like, maybe. Time to get ready for spring weather. <laughs> I was like, get that spring woo. body going. Maybe, yeah, maybe I need to need another six weeks of winter. <laughs> <laughs> but with the nice weather, yeah, we're getting outdoors and, and we're moving around more, playing pickleball, like I mentioned last time. Uh-huh. So just doing more active stuff. So. That's good. We need to do it. We need to do it. So Absolutely. Yeah, how are you doing? How's your weekend going so far? Oh, my weekend has been going great so far. No complaints on this end. I will say it's been busy, busy, busy. Um, On the work front, uh, it's been very productive. Um, I've been fielding calls from clients and collaborating with fellow agents. You know, the real estate world never sleeps, right? Um, But you know what they say, if you love what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. Um, But it's not all about work, though, right? I've managed to actually squeeze in a little bit of housework last night while catching up on a few episodes of my favorite shows. Um, So I kind of think it's all about multitasking, tackling those chores while still being entertained. Um, It's amazing how just a little bit of productivity mixed with some entertainment is really all I need to make the weekend feel balanced. Um, What about you, Adelaide? Um, you've got any big plans for the weekend? Well, I heard you say work and housework. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm I like, know. Oh, I probably should do some of that too. Yeah. So. I, I wish I could eliminate the housework part. <laughs> the work part's fun. Housework, not so much. Yes, but I do agree with you. Keeping the mind occupied if you got a show on or got mm-hmm. a, something on. If you're listening to the podcast of the Kern County Real Estate Review while you're working at home. Yeah, I just can't do that. Always a great idea. I, I'm glad you can do that, and other people should do that. I just can't listen to me. Is that, <laughs> can't do it. You should. You've got a lot of great information. Well, thank you. <laughs> but uh, it but it does help when you're doing something else, so it makes it not seem like housework. Absolutely. So that's good. So, absolutely. Yeah, but I do see we have a guest in the studio. Um, who are we talking to, and what's the topic? Well, today we have a real treat for you on the show. Joining us this morning is a true local expert in the field of private lending, which is otherwise known as non-traditional lending or hard money lending. Mark Augustine from Valley Mortgage Investments, Inc. is here with us today. Now, I know some of you might be wondering, well, what exactly is private lending or hard money lending? Well, over the next hour, we're going to delve deep into this fascinating topic. For many, private lending or hard money lending offers an alternative solution when the traditional lending options just won't cut it. It's all about thinking outside of the box and being able to find creative ways to make your real estate dreams a reality. I am so excited to have Mark Augustine back on the show today, and I know all of you are going to benefit from the knowledge he's going to share. You'll absolutely want to stay tuned as we embark on an engaging conversation with Mark, where we'll unravel the mysteries of private money lending and explore the many possibilities that it brings to the table. You'll want to get ready for some valuable insights and some expert advice that, frankly, you can't afford to miss. Now, before we dive into our conversation with Mark, I have some more 2024 trends that I want to share with all of you. You know, maybe it's because I'm in the business, or maybe it's because I Googled it once, or maybe it's because it's on everyone's mind, but it seems like every week there's a new article showing up in my email about either the newest trends in housing for 2024 or the latest demands of home buyers for this year. Now, in the face of soaring home prices and mortgage rates that reached 20-year peaks, Let's face it, the dreams of many would-be homeowners have had to be significantly downscaled. You know, the financial pressure of these two events alone has nudged buyers, especially those of modest means, towards homes that make the most out of every square inch. Many in the industry have observed a shift for these buyers towards properties that prioritize smart storage solutions, open layouts, and versatile spaces. As affordability becomes a key criterion for purchasing, innovative housing designs are being brought into the limelight. We see both furniture and spaces that emphasize dual purposes reigning supreme, such as storage ottomans, basements that serve both as home offices or guest bedrooms, attics being transformed into children's rooms, and garages being repurposed into living quarters for extended family. This up-and-coming trend is a testament to the adaptability and resourcefulness of buyers who are facing budget constraints and are aiming to stretch their dollar without sacrificing their quality of living. We are beginning to see an evolving real estate landscape where efficiency, versatility, 
and smart design are key to meeting the needs of the middle-class buyers. As the market continues to navigate the high prices and high interest rates, the emphasis on maximizing space utility underscores a broader shift towards more sustainable and adaptable living solutions. This trend not only reflects the current economic challenges, but it also points towards a future where the value of a home is measured not just in square footage, but in its ability to adapt to the changing needs of its occupants. So in the current real estate market, the challenge of limited square footage has become a significant consideration for middle-class buyers, driving a demand for homes that maximize space efficiency. When we look at the critical role smart storage solutions are beginning to play in our homes, we recognize the importance of built-in and vertical shelves in transforming small spaces into functional living areas. After all, these innovations not only enhance livability, but also offer substantial savings in the cost of home ownership. Another aspect that's gaining attention is the efficiency and quality of home features, particularly windows. You know, inefficient windows are a double liability, reducing a property's value while inflating energy costs. In 2024, middle-class buyers are prioritizing modern, energy-efficient windows. Such upgrades not only improve homes' aesthetic, but also contribute to significant long-term savings on utility bills. Flooring is becoming another key focus area, with middle-class home buyers seeking options that combine aesthetic appeal and durability with easy maintenance. Trends identified by Better Homes and Gardens for 2024 include warm tone tiles, retro carpet, sustainable materials, farmhouse styles, hardwood in the kitchen, and neutral bathroom tiles. These choices actually reflect a broader interest in both visual appeal and practicality in flooring. Now, the ongoing trend towards remote work continues to shape buyer preferences with dedicated home office spaces becoming a top priority for middle-class consumers. Many designers point out the importance of having a workspace that supports not only traditional employment, but also side gigs and passion projects. You know, homes equipped with clear, well-lit, and soundproofed work areas are increasingly sought after as they facilitate a more productive and versatile home environment. Now, Lori, I, I've got to ask you something there. Mm-hmm. You think about the remote work, it feels like we're getting away from it. However, when you mention side gigs, passion projects, that's where I think it really makes a difference because I think more people are doing podcasts. Absolutely. You know, more people are creating at home and selling on Etsy or whatever. You bet. From crocheting to whatever. So I think that really would make a difference. Like if I'm looking to add a house to purchase, I'm like, oh, this is not just an office. This is a place where I can, you know, do my passion project, get my podcast going. You bet. Get my, put my drum set in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, something else. But I think you're really onto something on that one because that is, that is amazing. That's awesome. Well, and here in In Bakersfield and Kern County, we are still a hub for remote work. So for us, it still plays in both in both 
uh, aspects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this emphasis on efficient use of space, as well as quality upgrades and adaptability to remote work, has underscored a shift in the real estate market towards homes that meet the complex needs of today's middle-class buyers. These trends reflect a pragmatic approach to home ownership where value is being measured not just in square footage, but in the functionality, efficiency, and adaptability of living spaces. The real estate market today is witnessing a refined demand among middle-income buyers. They're moving away from the allure of overly complex smart homes to seek technology that genuinely enhances their living conditions. This shift emphasizes practical value-adding features over novelty with a focus on energy-efficient appliances and selective smart home technologies. This 2024 trend, where middle-class buyers prioritize comfort, convenience, and cost-effectiveness, appears not only to be sought after for their immediate impact on daily life, but also for their potential to offer long-term utility savings. Now, I'm thinking utilities aren't getting cheaper. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's a great one, too. And yes. surprisingly, this discerning approach, I think it really tends to suggest a matured consumer perspective, one that values meaningful, sustainable tech integration in homes over that superficial technology advancements. Make sense? It sure does. Thank you. All right. So enough of these trends. Let's introduce the man of the hour, Mark Augustine, president of Valley Mortgage Investments, Inc. So good morning, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Lori. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself so you can introduce yourself to our listeners if they didn't hear you when you were on the show the last time. All right. Well, I'm the, uh, as you said, the president of Valley Mortgage Investments. I am, with the exception of being born and moving here when I was one years old, I'm pretty much a Bakersfield resident my whole life. Perfect. And um, I've been a real estate broker for about 25 years. I've been in private money lending for a little over 30 years. Okay. And uh, run a company. We have about seven employees. And all we do is private money lending. We just concentrate on that. Great. So... Explain to everyone out there who's listening, what exactly is private money lending? Uh, the, the big difference between a private money loan is that the source of funds comes from a private individual. So it could be come from just regular private individuals on the street. It could come from someone's self-directed IRA. It could come from a trust or from uh, uh, maybe a family estate or something like that, as opposed to a traditional loan where it's typically from a traditional type lender like a Bank of America or somebody like that. That's the uh, one of the basic differences. One of the other primary differences between a private money loan and a regular loan is that a, pri a private money loan is going to concentrate the approval process on the property, whereas a conventional loan is going to, they're going to base the approval process primarily on the borrower. Okay. And when we talk about private money, lending, that's that's just another term for hard money lending or non-traditional lending, right? Correct. 
Okay. To be honest with you, Lori, just sounds better than hardy money lending. It does. <laughs> the um, industry kind of moved to trying to push the private money lending because hard money lending just sounded, uh, you know, just well, hard money rougher. lending it it does. It sounds rougher, and it's it's like, well, what's so hard about yeah. it, right? But it is exactly the same thing, just different word. All right, perfect. So that was a great explanation, Mark, and really a great introduction. So looking at the clock, I think it's time for us to take a short break. So be sure and stay tuned because we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour. Find out the value of your home and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Consistently ranked in the top 10 agents in North America for Coldwell Banker and on the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. We're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. All right, so we're tuned back in to our guest for the day and our topic of private money lending. So, Mark, before the break, you explained to us what private money lending actually is. And, of course, as we talked about, there's another term that people may be familiar with, which is hard money lending, and how this type of lending differs from traditional banking. So, share with us, what are the terms and the interest rates that are associated with private money lending, and how are those different? than what you would expect to see with a traditional mortgage loan? Traditionally, a private money loan is going to be more expensive than a conventional loan. You're typically going to pay a little bit more in interest rate. You're going to pay a little bit more in the fees up front. And as far as the term is concerned, generally speaking, it's a shorter term, whereas a conventional loan might be a 20, a 30-year loan. It's not unusual for a private money loan to maybe be five, seven years, something in that that uh, range. Now, would the loan be fully amortized over that five or seven years, or would it be amortized over a longer period and then do, with a, a balloon payment due in the five to seven year? Typically, it's going to have a balloon payment. But, Lori, what we really try to do, and I think most private money lenders try to do, is the first thing they want to know is what the borrower wants. Okay. What works best for the borrower? Really don't try to go to a borrower and say, hey, this is what we offer. This is all we offer. So we really try to hear from them and say, we have two basic programs that Mm -hmm. we have. It's an 18-month interest-only program Mm -hmm. where it's just paying interest for 18 months and then the balloon payment at the end of 18 months. Or we have a 30-year amortization with a balloon payment at the end of seven. Okay. Now, that all being said, if we get a borrower that says, hey, I don't want a balloon payment. I want a full, fully amortized loan. 
then we will try to do the longest term we can, and that's going to be based on the entire loan file, looking that all over and saying, hey, we're willing to offer a 10-year fully amortized, maybe 15-year fully amortized, something like that. So in our first segment, you were talking about the fact that the property is actually given greater weight in terms of the determination for what you'll loan and how much you'll loan and what the interest rate might be. If it were a situation where somebody wanted something a little different than your normal products that you offer, would then their financial picture come into play as well? Uh, it would. It, it's, it is, uh, we, we do look at the borrower, obviously, and one of the biggest mm -hmm. determinations there is ability to repay. That's a big term right. nationally that we right. all have to adhere to, to make sure the bar we're putting borrowers into loans that they have the ability to repay it. Um, a borrower's credit, uh, income, things like that really come into play when you're trying to stretch a deal a little bit. Like okay. You might say, we might look at a deal and say, hey, we're comfortable being at 70% loan to value, but mm -hmm. this borrower's so good and he wants 75 that maybe we're willing to go to 75 because we're dealing with a better borrower. But typically speaking, private money lending is based more on the property than the borrower. You're just looking for the borrower primarily for the ability to repay the loan, but you're looking for the collateral, really. The real estate is really your security. Okay, perfect. Now, if somebody wasn't listening in the first segment, um, share with us again, where do the funds come from uh, to fund these private money loans? Uh, they, they mostly come from private individuals. And it's just, it could be a doctor, a lawyer, a person, teacher, or anybody that has a real some, estate agent. A real estate agent, absolutely. Okay. That we have quite a few of those, actually. They're clients of ours. So anybody that has some extra funds that wants to, to do a, a non traditional investment. Okay. vehicle. And that's kind of what this is. A lot of people just don't even know that this is out there and this investment's out there. Right. They think stock market, bonds, things like that. They have mm -hmm. no idea that they could actually do trustee investing and invest in a, in a trustee. So a lot of it comes from those private sources like that. We also deal with a lot of people self-directed IRAs. Okay. That's been really become prominent in the last five to 10 years. Those have really come on, and a lot of people are switching their IRAs to self-directed IRAs so that they can invest into notes. Well, that makes sense to me because I think a lot of people are starting to recognize that it may be in their best interest to start taking control of their own retirement accounts um, and and to have a say-so in how their money is invested. Um, so that's that's great to know. So let me ask you, is your company open for investment? And if so, how can someone go about investing in Valley Mortgage Investments? The, the best way to do it first is to start is to call us. Give us a call. And our, our phone number is 661-633-1600. Call our office. Uh, ask for myself, Mark Augustine, and, and, uh, and we can discuss it. We're very fortunate in the sense that we have probably more investors than, than we do loans. So we usually always have a little bit of a wait period for the investors. Um, but I think that just states to the track record and things that we've done over the years. So Absolutely. You guys have been in business for quite a while and you have an excellent track record. Thank you. So, all right. So let's talk about what would be um, the best types of real estate projects or investments that would be best suited for this type of non-traditional financing? 
Uh, from a borrower standpoint, uh, it's typically going to come in to play uh, three different areas. It's either going to be there's issues with the property itself. Maybe the property needs uh, uh, repairs and things to it that a conventional lender is not willing to lend on. It could be that the borrower has issues in the sense that they don't report all their income. This We get very common with, say, uh, um, uh, cash-type businesses mm-hmm. where people are getting cash and maybe they're not showing all their income. And so they go to a conventional source, and it's very difficult to get financing for that. Right. And that's where a private money lender could come in. It also, it could be a timing issue. Private money lending is a lot faster to get through than a conventional loan is. Uh, so whereas a conventional lender might take 30, 45 days to get a loan through, right. we can typically get it through in one to two weeks unless we have an issue with something, um, IRS lien or something like that that they need, then maybe they'll take a little bit longer. But that's, that's one fantastic. of the biggest, biggest things for a private money lender is speed. We have to be fast. That's great. So share with us, how does the loan application and approval process for a private lending differ from that traditional bank or mortgage loan so that you can do it that quickly? Well, from uh, uh, typically for us, what will happen is we'll get a request in on a property and uh, we will go out and look at the property ourselves. You? We, I, I will or someone in my office will. Typically, I will. And uh, we'll go look at the property and, and, and we'll set a value for what we feel like the value of the property is. And then we'll look at some other factors to try to determine the loan to value ratio and things like that. Um, the borrower comes, once we have that set and we know that, hey, we believe this property is worth 300000 we're willing to lend 200000 on mm-hmm. it. Um, then we get to the borrower standpoint. So okay. that's really where the flip from a conventional lender and a private money lender comes in. Conventional lender, you go and you submit all your paperwork and your financials and everything to the lender, and you don't even have a property yet. Right. And they determine, hey, you're approved for X amount of dollars. Right. We reverse it. We're basically looking at it and saying, hey, this property is approved for X amount of loan as long as the borrower has, again, the ability to repay and mm-hmm. that we believe that they're going to be um, they're going to be a good borrower. Okay. And that value that you assess on the property, that's a value as is, correct? Correct. We look at it as is. There are some people that will look at it, uh, uh, what they call ARV, which is as repaired value. Um, then you're doing lender controlled funds and it becomes a lot more complicated when you start right. doing that. So generally speaking, um, we'll look at it as, as is basis. Okay, perfect. And do you require an appraisal? We will only require an appraisal if we feel like it's out of our wheelhouse. If it's something I'm not comfortable uh, determining the value on, mm-hmm. uh, then then I'll get somebody else involved. And it's not always an appraisal. A lot of times we'll get a BPO, broker price opinion, from mm-hmm. somebody like that I have uh, a, a good relationship with in the industry. Um, I have, um, I'm fortunate enough to have some really good people in the industrial market and, and commercial market and apartments and things like that. So I'll get something sometimes, a property, and I'll just call them up and say, hey, what, what are you looking at right now, price per square foot for industrial property, things like that. And it helped me get a determination of what the value is so we don't have to go through the appraisal process. That's kind of a last thing for us because it is going to take a couple of weeks, three weeks. And as I said earlier, the big thing for us is speed. So if we're Absolutely. waiting three weeks for an appraisal, it, it sometimes defeats the purpose of using a private money lender. Right. 
Well, that is great. Um, and it, it is, it's very beneficial to be able to have those types of contacts where you can pick up the phone and make those kind of calls. It's all about contacts, isn't it? Well, it is. <laughs> it's all about who you know and the relationships that you establish along Absolutely. the way. Um, so when you are looking at that loan application and you're evaluating it, is there any particular criteria that you as a private money lender are looking at as opposed to a traditional lender, what they might be looking at? Well, I, I think... I mean, um, I don't want you to give away any of your secrets. No, that's definitely, right? definitely but, not secrets. So you're uh, okay on that. But um, I, I think a lot of times with a traditional lender, they're looking historically at a borrower. Right. They're saying, hey, we can't make a loan to you because you had a bankruptcy five years ago or you had this issue three mm -hmm. years ago. Um, or, you know, you're, you're, something happened maybe during COVID. And so, right. uh, so your, your, your FICO score is way down and, and we can't, we can't lend to you. Well, the difference for a private money lender is we want to see where they're at currently. Right. I, I'm not concerned where you were five years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, you want to see what the right. history that of the has person an is. impact. It does right. have an impact, but we're not, we're primarily looking at where are you now? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your story now? Okay, mm -hmm. you, you lost your job in COVID and this happened and you got back on all your payments and everything, but you've rebounded and now you're looking good and you have a, a good job now and everything looks pretty good. So we feel comfortable making a loan to you. Okay, great. Um, and are there any specific borrower qualifications or requirements for obtaining a private money loan? Do you have any specific FICO score requirements or anything like that? We traditionally don't have a FICO score requirement because, like I just said, it could have got beat up before. Right. But right now, like it looks like, okay, in the last six months, you've been doing good. And you got mm -hmm. a job, you're back on your feet, that type of thing. The big one is what the, the term I mentioned earlier is ability to repay. And right. that's really the big thing. We have to look at it and say, you have to have the ability to repay. If you come in and you've got a great FICO score, but you don't have a job, and, and, and but you have a rental property and you want $100,000, $200,000 out of your rental property, we have to look at that and say, well, you probably don't have the ability to repay this loan. Right. So we would turn that down, even though the loan to value and everything might might be, it might be fit the programs that we offer. Right. But as long as somebody has the ability to repay and the property that they are wanting to borrow uh, against, um, that it has a good, um, it, it serves as great collateral for the loan that you're wanting to make, then if the overall picture makes sense, then chances are you're going to make that loan. Is that correct? Absolutely. When you're looking at the property, the, the, for me, the primary things I'm looking at is obviously the value of the property, but you're also looking at the marketability of the property. Mm -hmm. you, you're going to be a lot more cautious on 10 acres out in Boron vacant <laughs> land than you are, you know, a, a single family house here in the middle of Bakersfield, obviously. So okay. um, because of the marketability. So um, that's going to take a big effect on it. Okay. Um, are there other types of property that are less desirable in terms of, you know, obviously, yes, vacant land out in the middle of, of Boron, right? Yeah. Hard to sell right now. Um, right. Exactly. Are there other types of property that that are difficult to sell right now? Traditionally, land is is always the biggest risk. Okay, it's always the biggest risk to lend on is vacant land because you you can't do anything with it until you improve the land. Typically speaking, mm -hmm. and so whereas if you lend on a house, 
you know, you get a house back in foreclosure or something like that, or the risk, like you could put a, a renter in there and you could start earning income relatively soon. Whereas if you get a piece of land back and it might be, well, the market's changed now. And so this land's not going to be developed for another five to 10 years and you have right. to sit on it. So that obviously has a lot higher risk level. Anytime you're dealing with special purpose properties, they're going to have a higher risk level. Um, a special pur- purpose property would be something like a bowling alley or a church. Okay. Um, something like that, where you're going to have a, a more a limited marketability for that property. Okay. And the, the, the smaller the marketability of the property, the higher the risk level is for, that makes a private perfect, money lender. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, Mark, that was a ton of great information. Um, I think this is another great place for us to take a brief pause. But before we do, would you kindly share with all of our listeners how they can get in touch with you and your team at Valley Mortgage Investments? Sure. The easiest way to get hold of us is just pick up the phone and call us. And it's area code 661-633-1600. Fantastic. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You could also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at the McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at the Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning we're talking with Mark Augustine of Valley Mortgage Investments. Now before the break, Lori was asking you about borrower and property requirements for private money lending. Now, is private money lending a good option for first-time homebuyers? Typically, it's not. Traditionally, private money lending is uh, made on rental properties and what's referred to as business purpose loans, where you're buying maybe a commercial property or industrial that you're going to rent out or maybe you're going to run your business out of that. It's not typically used for uh, home buyers traditionally. Now, there are lenders that do home loans on those, but it's not usually the best place for a first-time home buyer because you're paying more in interest, you're paying more in the fees. I feel like unless you're chasing a market where it's like you feel like the market's going to shoot up, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, I better get in here. Like, say, a few years ago when the rate's really low and it was like, hey, I got to get in here now, something like that. But generally speaking, I would my my advice to first time home buyers was wait until you can get qualified conventionally. It's a higher loan to value. You got a lot less to put down. You're going to have a less of an interest rate and you're going to pay less to get the loan. So speaking of, what are the general down payment requirements, Mark? Most of the time, again, it's going to base on the property. But mm-hmm. if we're, typically, it's going to be 25% down. You can have cases where it may be 20% down. So you're getting a 75 or an 80% loan. 
Now, that's typically going to be on a house, something like that, or a fourplex right. or something. Now, again, you to get into more risky loan. If, you, if, if we're looking at a land deal, it might be 50%. Right. Um, and if it's, uh, say, a lot in a subdivision with curbs, gutters, everything to it, then it might be, we might make 65% loan. You're putting down mm-hmm. 35%. Okay, so. perfect. Um, so can you share with all of us some examples of some successful real estate projects or investments that were funded through private money funding? You know, we have we have quite a few borrowers that will come into our office, and, it, and it's, it's, it's one of the things I really enjoy is having discussions with them where they come in and say, you know, hey, nobody would loan to me. You guys came in. You helped me, you know, buy my first rental property, and you know, now I have six rental properties, and I have three of them paid off. And, and, and uh, I enjoy those conversations with people because that really makes me feel good and makes me understand that we are helping a lot of people who can't get financing conventionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we deal with people with I-10s, right. I-10 numbers. And, right. uh, um, even though now they're starting to have more programs for that, it's still, it's still a challenge for many of those. So, it is. It is. And for a lot of people who don't, I, I like to refer to it as they don't fit in all the little boxes that a traditional mm-hmm. lender is looking for. Um, self-employed borrowers, for example, um, yeah. for myself included. I don't fit in all the little boxes that they want me to check uh, for getting a traditional loan. And so in many cases, utilizing private money loans to get that leg up on that first investment makes all the difference in the world. And yes, it's a higher interest rate. Yes, it may be a larger down payment. But if it makes the difference between getting started in the investment world and not, I have to tell you, real estate is the biggest builder of wealth in this country. And people need to take that leap of faith to do so. Um, I know you've helped several people with real estate fix and flips. Um, Sure. Do a lot. We do quite a few of those. You do quite a few of those. You've helped many people with their investment goals in terms of purchasing their first investment and then being able to parlay that into several other investment properties. Um, And, and, you know, a lot of people uh, um, we've helped out get their first or second house or, you know, rental houses. And and now they've put themselves into a position where they can get conventional financing. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I'm paying off your loan because I'm getting a conventional loan over here for a lot less interest rate. I just want to thank you. You, I never would be in this position if private money lending didn't help me get to that point. So private money lending has is, is never really been meant to be a long, long-term solution. It's, right. it's traditionally meant to be get you from point A to point B, and point B is maybe a conventional loan that's a less interest rate, a longer term, or what have you. And I'm I am always happy to see somebody get into a better position. And if we can help them get into that better position on the road, then, then we're happy to do it and, and we're excited to do it. Absolutely. So what would you think are some of the main benefits and advantages of being able to use private money loans for real estate financing? Well, one of the big ones is, is you can get approved with a private money lender in situations where you can't get approved in a conventional lending situation one like we talked about before where the, the property my fix and flips are perfect right mm-hmm. i mean the whole thing with a fix and flip is it needs work right yep. it needs a lot of work and a lot of times conventional lenders will just say no we're not going to do that this right. needs 
this needs, you know, we look. They look at a picture and see no cabinets and mm-hmm. and, and that you know writing on the wall or something, right. and they run for the hills where a little paint and some cabinets, you mm-hmm. know, from makes Home all Depot the difference make all the, the difference in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So we realize that. So I, I like to think of private money lending as kind of common sense lending. We look right. at a deal and we look at the common sense. Go, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Let's do this deal. We don't have all those check boxes like you're talking about with conventional mm-hmm. lenders, and it could be a perfectly good deal, but one of those checks box checks one of those boxes doesn't get checked. Right. And that'll kick the whole deal out when it really doesn't make much sense to do that. Right. Um, And that's where a private money lender will come in. And that's the vast majority of our deals referrals from banks and from mortgage companies Mm -hmm. that they can't get the deal through on their end and they'll send it over to us. Perfect. So for someone who's considering using private money lending, um, are there any potential risks or downsides that uh, they might want to consider? Well, if you're if you're going to get into a loan with the short term, like say if you're going to get into an 18 month interest only loan program, mm-hmm. 18 months happens very fast. It I, sure I, does. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, borrowers always go into those and they go, "Oh, a year and a half. I got all kinds of time." Mm-hmm. And then we get a call 16 months down the road, and they're like, I, I, "I'm not in a position to pay this off yet." Um, you know, can I get you know can I get an extension or what have you? And we're happy to do that if they've got a good payment history and that. We're happy to do it. So, I'd say the big risk would be you have to make sure you can afford that payment. You ought to make sure that that interest payment, especially if you have a lot of work to do on the property and you're going to be making monthly strokes on that loan while you're trying to get that property fixed up, you you better have a good budget for it. Okay. Better make sure you have a good budget to do that and have a good exit strategy. Never get into a loan without an exit strategy of getting out of the loan. Okay. Perfect. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this repayment process and how does that work for private money loans? Um, and, and what happens if, God forbid, the, the borrower can't repay it? What happens if they default? Well, the, the, it's always the worst case scenario. We right. never like to have that happen, but unfortunately, it just it's inevitable. It does happen in certain cases. But if they, if they default on the property, then it will end up going into foreclosure. Um, the foreclosure process is usually about five months total. At the end of the foreclosure proper process is an auction. And basically what's happening is you're, you're being forced to auction off your property to repay the loan. And if the property's not bought at the foreclosure sale, then the property reverts to the lender. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, and then because that was funded by investors, um, do do the investors then take that hit? Uh, does the property get resold so that the investors are uh, hopefully made whole? How, how well, does that work? Yes, and, and, and this is where the loan-to-value comes in, Lori. This is what's okay. critical here. When a private money lender is looking at the loan in the front end, you're always looking. The one thing we always look at with a loan when we're, when we're looking at the loan on the front end before we make the loan is is what's our risk level? Mm-hmm. How do we get out of this this loan? Right. And, and I look at it, not just how do we get out of the loan, but how can the borrower get out of this loan? Mm-hmm. If you're making a loan at 75% of the value of the property, unless you're in a decreasing, you know, a value mm-hmm. market, then, the, then that borrower has the, if they can't make the payments, they have some issue comes up, they could call you, Lori, and say, hey, can you sell my property? I'd rather have you sell it. And then at least I can get back some of my money and I right. don't have a foreclosure on my record. 
this is the issue that we had when we had the crash back in right. 08 now where people are making getting loans at 105 percent loan to value right. you don't have the option to sell your property mm -hmm. and get out of it but a private money lender is always looking at a loan to be in a position where the borrower has the ability to be able to sell the property get out of it repay the loan get some of their money back or all of their money back depending on if it's appreciated or not right and then move on to something else perfect okay so when a borrower is considering getting a private money loan what should they look for in the lender that they choose to work with i always tell people uh, one of the first things you should do is you should look up the broker and the department of real estate okay. right on the front of the department of real estate website is a place to verify uh, people's license mm -hmm. look at their license go down the bottom where it says disciplinary action and see if there's any been, been any disciplinary action at all okay um, this is critical i you know it's, it it's interesting because i just dealt with this about a week and a half ago with somebody and they told me that they were going to deal with a broker and they told me who it was and they asked me they said hey do you know this person it was someone from out of the city mm -hmm. i did not know who they were but i said hey let me do a little work for you let me check this person out and i checked them out they had a restricted license about 15 years ago. They had their license taken away about five years ago. Wow. And so once I reported that back to this person, they said, thank you so much for giving this information. I'm not going to deal with this person at all. So that's the first place that I look at. And then mm -hmm. it's amazing what you can find on social media, right? Yes, it's wonderful. It is. Mm -hmm. So start looking up the person, the broker and social media and see if you're seeing things from other people that are saying like, hey, this person took advantage of me. This person did this to me. This happened, you know, what have you. Um, and probably the best source is getting a referral right. from someone like yourself. Right. And saying, hey, Lori, who do you refer? Mm -hmm. who, do, who would you refer me to to get right. a private money loan? And if, if it's someone that you really trust, then that's the best that's going to be the best process, but do, but do your work, do your due diligence. Anybody that has a real estate license, anybody, you should do your due diligence on that person and see. Absolutely. I think that's great advice, Mark. Um, can you discuss for us any recent trends or developments in the private money lending industry? Is there anything changing happening on the horizon? You know, there's some fluctuation that happens with conventional rates, but not a lot of, of, difference there so as rates are going up and down i get the question a lot that you know the last year or so rates have mm -hmm. gone up a lot and people say oh are your rates going up a lot well traditionally not there ours are more geared towards what the investor needs than, okay than, than what's in the market we're always looking at again since we're concentrating more on the property that we're mm -hmm. focusing more on the trends in the properties than we are on on other trends. So a perfect example right now would be what's going on in the agricultural community right now. We're seeing some really, we're starting to see some soft pricing on almonds and things like that. And so right. it, it's important to be on the front end of that and mm -hmm. know and be able, again, we're gonna go back to contacts. That's right. where I can pick up my phone. I can talk to some of the ag lenders or some of the, some of the people, the ag brokers and say, hey, what are you seeing out there for grapes? And what are you seeing out there for almonds and this type of thing? And it goes that way with, with every industry. Every industry has a little bit of an up and down, mm -hmm. depending on supply of that industry. You know, like we saw industrial properties, you know, really started, I, I don't know, four, five, six, seven years ago. They really started to go up. And so they start. they went through the roof. Right. 
And so it's always important for a private money lender to be on the front end to know what's what's happening, what's going to happen, what's the trend, where it's going. And I would guess that you've got to have your finger in all kinds of different pies because of the various different types of loans that you make. You're right. We, we have to know about uh, single family, multifamily, commercial, industrial, agriculture, cultural loans, uh, special purpose, vacant land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, of course, difficult to know all of that. So what happens a lot of times is, is we'll get an application in on a property and then I'll, I'll get on the phone and mm-hmm. start calling some guys and saying, hey, I'm, I'm not, I, I need a little update. What's, right. what's going on in this? I just got a loan request for 180 acres of almonds in this area of Kern County. You know, I'll call some guys that know it and they'll tell me, hey, look, look out for this or that. Or, you know, the, the make sure you check the water level there. It's starting to dry up. Th- things that maybe a typical person wouldn't know. And you can right. drive by a property and say, hey, it's 80 acres. This is 180 acres of, of almonds. And they look great. Yeah. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's important for a private money lender to know that because if you're going to get into a seven-year loan right, and you're going to get in the front end based on the value and then that value is going to be going down the next couple of years, you better be very aware of that in the front end and maybe you can you can hedge that by lowering your loan to value in the front end where you say, hey, I, I'm comfortable at 65 normally, but considering this market and where it's going, I'd rather be at 60 or 55. Exactly, because that kind of information is critical to your bottom line. Okay. Um, so are there any specific regulations or legal considerations that borrowers need to be aware of when they're working with private money lenders? Well, let's see, pr- most private money lenders are pretty reputable. So they're not going to, to most of the time, they're not going to charge you more than what they should. There's really too much of a, a legal aspect. I don't see very many private money okay. lenders charging something that I look at and say, wow, that's above the usury laws or or what have you. So again, it goes back to if you're dealing with a reputable private money lender, then you're probably in a good position. You shouldn't worry about that. You're dealing with someone that has all kinds of violations of the Department of Real Estate. Well, then first of all, shame on you for getting involved with that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But then that should be your red flag. Okay, perfect. So, Adelaide, I know we're getting close to time, but I wanted to check and see if you had any questions. Um, well, Mark's been very thorough. So, there's, I wrote a couple of questions down. I was like, oh, check that one off. He answered that. Uh-huh. But, uh, but one thing I was thinking about, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but if, if you had property, had collateral, could you just maybe start up a HELOC and use that money? Or is, is, it, is it better to use the hard money than like a HELOC? Um, that's an interesting question. It's a very good question. I, I would say... If you're using all the money at once and you know you're using all, well, okay, let me back up. Let me first say this, because a HELOC, typically speaking, you're talking about more of a conventional product mm-hmm. than you are a private money product. So I will always tell people, if you can qualify for the conventional product, it's a cheaper product to get, longer term product typically to get. Now, a HELOC, of course, is not because it's a line of credit. Um, so that being said, I would tell somebody, if you can get approved for a HELOC, you're better off doing that than getting a private money loan. That's oh. probably the better thing to do. But in general, if you're referring to a takeout loan, which means you get all the money up front and you're paying it off over a certain period of time, as opposed to a line of credit, the, my advice always is, what do you need the money for? Hmm. If you need the money all right now, then it doesn't really matter whether it's a HELOC or, or a takeout loan because you're using all the money right off the bat. Now, if it's a case where someone's looking at um, 
maybe they want to get a HELOC because they're looking for a property. They don't have a property right now, but they want to be ready to jump on it when they do. Um, that might be the better alternative for them to go to a HELOC in that instance. Okay, okay, just curious about that too. And then another thing I think about is what if you wanted to use the hard money, get this house to flip, but you're like, you know what, I'm going to live in it. I mean, can you do that while you're, while you're living in it, fixing it up, and then still turn it around in, in 24 months? You can. I have some borrowers that have done that. Uh -huh. Traditionally, do not because, of course, you're fixing up the property. Who wants to live in a property? Any of us who have lived in our house, when there's been a remodel project in our house. It's, it's you, a nightmare. Yeah, usually after it's over, you say, I'll never do that again. Mm -hmm. um, so most investors don't do that, um, that you know, buy properties and, and are fixing them up. Now, sometimes they'll have somebody staying in there because it's maybe in an area where there's a lot of vandalism and that mm. and they just want somebody, you know, in there that's just you know, sleeping basically on a mattress, during, right. you mm. know, at night or what have you. But I generally tell people if you're doing remodeling in a house, try not to live in it at the same time. You'll, you'll probably regret that decision. Yes. I don't know if I, if you run it by the wife, I don't know if she'd be in agreement with it. Like, come on, we're just going to move in, fix it up, and then we'll sell it. We'll make a ton of money. Why not? Because well, it sounds like such a fun adventure, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's usually not. It's usually right. not a fun adventure. Now, I have had uh, um, some people that have, they'll buy a house, they'll fix it up, and they'll live in it long enough that they can get a, a, a better quality loan like they can get oh. maybe an fha loan or they can get mm -hmm. some other type of loan and then they get that loan on it and then maybe they buy another property mm -hmm. and 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 do the same thing in that so now mark how long is that when you say long enough to live in it two years is it a couple years something oh, okay. like that okay. and you know i mean typically speaking most people that are buying rental properties are doing fix and flips it's mm. not traditionally in an in, in area maybe that they want to necessarily move their whole family and live into and uproot your, your kids and now mm -hmm. they're going to a different school and everything else and you're bouncing them around everywhere so it's not it's not usual it's very rare yeah. actually to have mm -hmm. that kind of situation and I'll, I'll be honest i hate moving so that's the tough part the moving is the part it's one of the worst do. things you can do, <laughs> it right? is. I do it. i don't want to do it i used so, to say realtors should have to move every five to seven years so we see what we put our clients through <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. And, I, and I'm just thinking, just for a comparison, this is kind of, I don't know if you have an answer for this or not, but thinking interest rate wise, um, you, you mentioned it kind of, it doesn't really fluctuate with the market rates, I guess. Uh, but how much more is it average, on average? Generally speaking, a private money loan is going to be anywhere from 9 to 12%, depending okay. on the property type, risk level, all, all those things like that. And but conventional loans right now are probably around seven, something right around there. Somewhere. Yeah, six and a half. Okay, so it's yeah, not a huge million. amount above it, but it, it exactly. is a little bit more. And, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good point that it, it's a lot easier now. If, you, if, if someone goes to a conventional lender, they sit down with ABC Mortgage Company, mm -hmm. and they want to buy a fourplex, and they think, oh, I'm going to get a 4% or 3% loan like they were three years ago, and, um, and they say, well, gee, you don't qualify. You need a private money loan at 10, 11%. That's a, lot, that's a, that's a big very difference. big mental leap for mm -hmm. them to think 3 to 4% to go all the way up to 10 to 11. But when you look at today, when they're 65 or even like last year when they were up to 8, right. things mm -hmm. like that, if you tell somebody you don't qualify for the 8, but you got to go get a 10, it's much more palatable, mm -hmm. right? It's, mm -hmm. you're, you're, they're, they're more apt to, to do that. 
as opposed to if they're moving from three or four up to there, they generally will just say, you know what, maybe this isn't the right time for me. Right. Maybe I'll just wait till I clear up my issue to get, you know, to be able to get approved for a conventional loan. Okay, very cool. And uh, just just out of curiosity, when you talk about these extensions, you talked about them earlier, how many can you do? Because I, I think of the reality shows you see, and just one bad thing happens after another, after another. And it's just, how, how long do you go before you call it quits? Well, I, I feel like those are two questions, kind of, because if, if someone is paying their loan, and let's say they have like, they get an 18 month loan, and it gets near the end of the 18 months and they have a good payment history, the investors 99% of the time is going to say, that's fine, give them another year or two years or three years mm. or five years or what they'd like. Okay. It's not going to be a problem. Now, if, if you're, you get an 18 month loan and it gets near the 18 months and you've been already in foreclosure and got yourself out once and you're constantly late and you get three months behind, then make it up. Maybe the investor's like, you know what, this is my time to get off. Right. Maybe this is my jumping off point on this. I don't want to give you an extension. You know, maybe another lender is willing to, to, to do that and I'm not. So I always tell people when they're getting these loans, look, make your payments. Mm-hmm. If you make your payments, we'll give you an extension. Right. We're going to be okay, okay with that. So that's the best advice I'd give somebody. Make them on it's time. It's the best advice to always give somebody. Make your payments <laughs> no matter what on any loan is. you get. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark. Great information. So, Mark, we're almost at the end of our show, but I do have one more question for you. Do you have any tips or advice for real estate investors or developers who are considering using private money um, for their projects? It's do your homework is the first thing I always say. Do your homework on the project itself. Um, That includes the private money financing also. Make sure that you have a budget. So many people I see get into this, and, and typically, let's just talk about fix and flips. They get into them, and they don't have a good budget. Mm. And then they get overrides and things. And as we all know, projects take longer, and they usually cost more. So you really need to factor in that monthly payment on the private money loan and make sure that you can afford that. Make sure you have some reserves. Right. Don't get in a position where you're halfway through a project, and you're like, gee, I, I'm running out of money, and I'm having a hard time now making the payment on this thing. I thought I'd have a renter in here by now, but now I'm already three months past when I thought I was going to have a renter. And it looks like I got another three or four months where you're making strokes on that loan payment the whole time. So make sure you have a good budget. Make sure you got your timeline down and, and make sure you've got some good reserves. So if you get stuck on something or a bump comes in the road, and we all know there's plenty of bumps in there the road, um, make sure that you can weather that. Perfect. I so appreciate you joining us today, and I want to extend my gratitude for you sharing your valuable insights with us this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Lori. I always appreciate being on. Oh, we can't thank you enough. I am confident that our listeners found your information about private money lending with Valley Mortgage Investments as beneficial as I did. Now, before we wrap up, please share with us your contact details one more time. Okay. The best way, again, to get a hold of us is to call us. It's area code 661-633-1600. Perfect. I know I say it often, but I really do want to thank all of you for listening today. This morning, we've had the pleasure of bringing back Mark Augustine with Valley Mortgage Investments for a refresher course on private money financing. Whether you've got a residential fix and flip project, a commercial building purchase, maybe it's an equipment purchase you're looking at. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Mark and his team for expert assistance. 
Make sure that you mark your calendar for next Saturday at 11 a.m. when we'll delve into yet another exciting real estate-related topic. Both Adelaide and I eagerly anticipate our next conversation with you. As a quick reminder, you can revisit today's topic or share this valuable information with someone in need by catching an encore presentation of the show on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity. Alternatively, starting on Monday after the show airs, you can access all of our previous episodes on various podcast platforms by searching for the Kern County Real Estate Review. And for those who prefer, you can listen to all past recordings on our website at themccartygroup.com. As we sign off this episode of the Kern County Real Estate Review, I want to say thank you for listening. Your trust in our insights and expertise is the fuel that drives this show. If you have any real estate questions or need guidance on your property journey, please don't hesitate to reach out. Whenever you're ready to take your next real estate step, know that we at the McCarty Group are here, ready to guide you. Stay tuned, stay inspired, and remember, your real estate journey is our passion.